on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I'm still surprised sometimes by how you meet people. I mean, I've met people through the business and just through selling motorcycle parts. I went to Australia and met some friends and, you know, rode motorcycles down the Great Ocean Road because I sold these guys motorcycle parts. So there are some amazing portions of it. The problem solving, I would say, is the thing that sort of keeps me on track. And You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Mike DeLuca on the King stage. My brother, Mike, how we doing? Doing good, Chaz. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Just appreciate you being here. You know, I got to tell you, I, I see that beard coming through, man. I mean, you might you might be able to grow it out a little bit. No, <laughs> I could if I had the patience to, to deal with a longer beard. Say it looks it looks it looks full and ready to come through, man. Yeah. But Mike, tell us what kind of business that you got here. I'm excited for this conversation. So I own WestEndMotorsports.com. We're an e-commerce retailer. We do motorcycle parts and accessories, side by side stuff. Pretty much everything aftermarket. I don't do any repair parts. It's we say it's everything you want and nothing you need. So. You know, that's what I love that. And, and I definitely want to dive into a little bit more of that, but what a fun business just uh, being able to not only be e-com space. um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's a unique thing in itself, but then also to be in, in, in that type of product line. Do you have, is there, is there a connection to that product line? You, your family, like, or did you, did you just get started with this? Well, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, we're kind of always motorcycle people, Harley people growing up, we'd go to bike nights and stuff like that. I mean, we're didn't have any money. My dad didn't have any money. So we didn't have a bike usually until he got a little bit older. And then he got into the community. He was working. He lost his job with Pfizer. Actually, uh, they outsourced him, gave him a decent severance package. And then he ended up starting West End Motorsports in 2004 with, you know, with the funds that he got from that severance package. So, wow. I, yeah, I was still in high school at the time. And so we started, you know, building the business, building the store and, and all those things together at that point. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I want to dive in more into the story, but before we do, this will be interesting uh, asking you this conversation or this question because you're second generation or you've kind of, you've, you know, you're yeah. the son of the, the founder, but you've been building it kind of along the way. Mm-hmm. What's your why? Like, why are you doing this? Obviously it's been super successful and you're still doing it. You're pressing on. Mm-hmm. Why? What's the bigger picture for you? Well, the real answer is I don't have any other options. <laughs> so, you know, that's honest. Basically, you know, I've been, I've been, I suppose, guided to this path and it's one that I've stuck to so far. I don't know how long I'll stay on it, but, you know, truthfully, I wasn't even supposed to be there at the start. I, I had enlisted in the Marine Corps out of high school. I was not a very good student. I don't know if I was a D student, but it was pretty close and not dumb. I just, I, I mean, I just, I just don't, yeah. I couldn't sit still and, and didn't really enjoy being in school. Right. So except for yeah. history, I did great at history, but it was everything else. It just, it wasn't really for me. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps and I got hurt before I went to boot camp, And so I actually wasn't able to go. So I just, my dad asked me if I wanted to start working and I was like, yeah, sure. And he paid me five bucks an hour cash under the table. And it was like, 
I mean, what else was I going to do, you know? And then one thing sort of led to another and within about a year we started getting busy and then we were just, you know, it was, it was really fun to be a part of a growing business. It was a family business, but you know, that part of it, I, you know, I've always enjoyed and I've never really, it was just always the best path for me, you know, in in the big picture. So. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that, right? First off, not fitting in at school and learning in a very linear square classroom format. I think that all of us kind of just like, you know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot, a lot of relatability there, but what you also said in there is that you kind of found a home in a little bit of a startup, a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a growth, you know, environment that, that, that all fit for you. Why do you think that that fits this person that didn't do well in school, but fits over here? Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I turned out to be good at finding people what they wanted. I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm decent at listening. And so decent enough where I could listen to what people said they were looking for, put them on track to the right item, right part, even if it's a small item or whatever, but you know, sure. anything in sales starts at listening and yeah. it turned out that I was naturally good at it. And so that's probably the thing that sort of kept me kept me in line and, and and kept me there the the most or kept me interested, yeah. I would say, is the fact yeah. that you have this complex process of people calling, looking for certain things and being able to have a knowledge, you know, have a huge repertoire and a large set of information that you could access at any point and be like, yeah, that's probably not right, but maybe you want to try this, this, and this, or, yeah. you know, having failure from other customers buying stuff they didn't want and just being able to be like, well, I've had people do this and they bought for the wrong reason. So maybe you should be looking at this and, you know, just that, that sort of ethic has sort of allowed me to be good at that part of the job. So uh, I've always enjoyed, I mean, it's, it's good to be good at something, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what uh, I heard you said that you became an expert, you know, expert at helping people and expert at this specific type of, you know, business. Also too, I was going to say with it being a family business, do you think that that played into just your relationship building that you were kind of just talking about, you know, that's really what it comes down to, right. Is helping people and building relationships. Yeah. And you kind of said that that's part of listening and, and sales, but helping somebody like pick and choose and, and being able to remember parts and being able to remember past experiences and all that fun stuff is about relationships. Would you agree? Yeah, well, it is. And, you know, and maybe that might've been a subconscious part of it. Um, I certainly didn't want to make a mistake that would end up costing us money. Right. Cause any right. mistake that I make in recommending something or, choosing something that has the wrong fitment or anything like that would, would come out of my dad's pocket, my family's pocket in the end. So, I mean, I've uh, p- part of all of that is being careful, you know, and, and being cautious because I'd, I'd rather have them hesitate to buy now and buy the right part later than sell the wrong part and have to deal with that whole mess and, you know, have the company have to deal with that whole mess. And so that's always sort of been a, a guiding principle I've had th- throughout the process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you see, you know, the, the, the next play for you or the, maybe the deeper reason of, like you said, maybe it's this business, maybe it's just an entrepreneurial, you know, environment that fits well for you. Is it, Uh is it the serving the people? Is it solving problems? Like what's like inside of you that's like burning every day? Like I got to go do this. What is that? Yeah. It's probably more problem solving. I mean, you know, as you solve one problem, you're kind of always looking for the next one or you get bored by the problems that you've already solved. I mean, I've been dealing with retail customers in e-commerce, so at volume for almost 20 years. So that part is, you know, it, it gets exhausting sometimes. Sometimes it's great, you know, and I'm still surprised sometimes by how you meet people. And I mean, I've met people through the business and just through selling motorcycle parts, 
I went to Australia and met some friends and, you know, rode motorcycles down the great ocean road because I sold these guys motorcycle parts. So there are some amazing portions of it, but a lot of the day to day and nastiness that you sometimes get, especially in the COVID world where everything's lacking availability and stuff that, yeah. that gets difficult. So the problem solving, I would say is the thing that sort of keeps me on track and yeah. most of the time, I mean, I, I waver, you know, and, and honestly, you know, it's something that I, I deal with where you, you reach certain goals and stuff. And now the next problem is, well, where do you, where's the, where's the next finish line? And is it, yeah. you know, is it something that you want to really pursue or is it something, or are you just moving it just for the sake of moving it? Or is there a point to moving it, you know? And yeah. so that's sort of where I'm at now, because fortunately yeah. we've reached a lot of those early goals. So the next problem is sort of, well, now what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a question that we all ask ourselves either along the way or multiple times, or at least at some point when we hit the goal or when we're getting close. And so I I hope that you dial into that and and figure out what the next thing is for you, because that's, that's, yeah, exactly. That's what keeps us moving. You know, I actually learned a long time ago that right before you hit it, which, which for some people, this doesn't work because they need to cross the finish line, you know, celebrate. And I'm all about that, but I'm more of the guy that's like, right before I hit it, I'm like, yeah you know push it out just a little further uh-huh. draws me in push it out a little further draws me yeah. in because i like the game yeah because if i if i cross the finish line then then the game's over you know <laughs> but yeah well and it turns out that that's that's probably what everybody likes we just don't know it you know until you right. until you got to that finish line and you sort of realize well that, that we're here <laughs> we're here exactly you know? it's, it's actually it's actually what i felt when we went to the grand Canyon. now i could be totally off mm-hmm. on left field here but yeah i don't know if you've been to the grand Canyon, but when i got no. there it was like awesome yeah okay like now do we go now or like what yeah. do we do like it was so vast and so grand and such a big finish line as you were yeah. just talking about okay yeah and now what you know <laughs> i mean it's a perfect metaphor man it's it's it, there's a lot of that yeah. especially you know when you're in business for yourself yeah, exactly. So we got to figure out how to, how to, got to keep, keep the line pushing out yeah. to, to, to make the, make the next target. All right, Mike, I want to get into the the practicality of the business here. I want to sure. know as you've been building, obviously alongside your family, but what's a good decision that you guys have made in the business that you can look back on and go, mm, when we did this, it really lined up a lot of our success. What is that? So like most things in my life, it was not exactly a, a completely thought out decision. It was more of a, a decision of survival. When I first bought the company from my dad in 2017, we had changed platforms. I mean, I don't want to get too technical there because it's boring, but basically we had a really old website. And so we changed to a new website and the process of moving 20 to 30,000 items and subcategories and subcategories over to that right. new website was sort of promised to be streamlined and wasn't in the end. And so we spent months during our transition, getting a new platform up and updated. And and there were some catastrophic failures throughout that process. And so as a result, we ended up having to go with a a marketing company to do our advertising because most of our business comes from, you know, AdWords, pay-per-click advertising, SEO stuff. I mean, that's just the nature of e-commerce. And so we ended up getting sort of funneled into this Advertise or getting, you know, introduced, I guess, would be a, a better way to, to look at it as a result of the platform's failures. And it has turned out to be, I mean, we're still, in, we still have a business relationship and it's been the absolute best thing that's ever happened to us. Wow. Wow. And so the lesson learning there, actually, I pulled out a couple, tell me if I'm wrong, but 
number one, I just heard persistence. Kind of like you said, there was a bunch of like ick yeah. that you kind of had to push through, but now it turned out okay. Yeah. But then technology matters. Platform matters. It sounds like in a way, yeah. maybe it, it just makes it easier that. for them to check out. Like any specifics that you want to share there that maybe is like a, like, hmm, what should I be thinking about for my own business? Well, yeah, sure. Specifically, I mean, you know, at the time, our, our website was designed in 2004. I mean, look, you know, we don't go back and look at websites from 2004, but we remember them. And so, you know, obviously we added throughout, but at some point we got really stagnant. And that was part of the reason that my dad transitioned out and I, and I bought him out. But we also had a platform that was extremely difficult to update. It was stand, like a standalone unit, basically siloed in its own type of technology. And, you know, potentially anybody could make anything work on it, but there weren't people out there doing it. So it just kind of became obsolete. And so, sure. you know, we needed a website where just little things like it would remember your cart when you came back two weeks later to buy the thing. So you didn't have to look for it all over again. And, right. you know, there's, I mean, there's probably a thousand other little things like that, yeah. but but, it, but there was a thousand things that needed to be updated kind of. And so by yeah. switching platforms, that gave us the ability to, to have at least access to the, the ability to have a constant update instead of needing to do a teardown update every, every five years, long. which yeah. ultimately any business kind of has to do, but I, I prefer yep. to do it steadily so that we don't have to, we don't have to yeah. fully renovate, you know, so. Yeah, that that full renovation, it, even on a like a CRM, <clears throat> transitioning yeah. a CRM, like there's just a lot of work that goes into something like that. And you know, I don't think most entrepreneurs realize like it's promised ahead of time that it's going to be super smooth and and, and seamless always. <laughs> and time. it just rarely is. Whether it's a platform, whether it's a CRM, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you need to need a plan for probably twice or three times as long, and and keeping on your current platform until it's like all the way tested and and yeah. Whew, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, especially with service providers in the technology world. Like you said, I mean, you know, one of the things that you find out pretty quickly is that everybody over promises and under delivers, which has always been the opposite of our ethos. You know, I mean, I've always told people this will take longer, you know, it just hedged expectations so that ultimately they end up satisfied, but not everybody. But the majority of these companies that you deal with and service providers, it's right. always the same thing. And it, and and going back to that short-sighted thing, it's like, well, I'm just not going to continue to use you. If you promised accordingly and you know you did what you could say, well, then we'll stay in bit, we'll have a, a business relationship forever, you know. Right. But That's you right. overpromise and you don't do what you said, well, it's gonna last a month or two months. And so it's the short money versus the long money kind of thing for me. And uh, yeah. I'm very fortunate that marketing company that we work with had the same mindset as far as long money. You know, they want customers that are there forever if yeah. it's possible. So yeah, there's there is a uniqueness of what you're talking about because most people don't think long term. And then right. in the business world, okay, so maybe they're thinking a little bit longer term because they're building a business and they at least have some sort of yeah. idea of delayed gratification. But still, now you have almost like <clears throat> like a like a snake oil. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and the sales guys got numbers they got to hit right because they get paid on commission, and so yeah, they're not the guys who are going to service the the technical call later, or they're not the guys who are going to service the customer service questions later about why did you over. So they get to sell, make their quota or maybe not, or maybe beat their quota and get, and get their commission and then pass the problem along to somebody else. So they create all these problems. And so, and that's, I mean, that is just something that's extremely common for anybody trying to do anything, you know, yeah. it's just, but I don't get it. I, I mean, I don't get it. And you can only do that if you have a system where, like those sales guys are siloed from the customer service guys. I mean, they should work like 
every other cubicle so that the customer service guy can be like, hey, your salesman was Bill and walk right next to him. Be like, Bill, what are you doing, man? I've been on the phone with this guy for three hours and now he's going to cancel. And so, but yeah. that's not really how these systems are. Most of them, I'm sure there are, there are good companies that do that, but, but a lot of them don't do that. Don't. It's just push. It's all push. So what would you say to the guy listening right now who maybe hasn't experienced this like we have, or maybe he yeah. or she has, yeah. they're, they're in alignment with us. They're like, I know this is crazy. I'm, I'm trying to provide, or I'm trying to get a marketing or any type of service provider. And yeah. I just don't know how to like weed through. So like, are any tactics that you know how to weed through or get them or like to, for us yeah. to realize, do they think long-term like we do, like anything that you want to share there? Always getting out clause. I mean, like don't ever put yourself in a situation where you are stuck, where you are yeah. married to a service provider for any lengthy period of time. Now there, there's going to be times where maybe it takes you a year to realize that something doesn't work, you know, but right. always find, and most of them will do it because they want to make the sale. And so, you know, always find a way to get that Give yourself that security and have that option to get out because odds are, well, you know, hundred percent that they're not going to do everything that they said they would as fast as they would, or as completely as they would. But, you know, you have your expectations and maybe that's another thing. Set your expectations where if they give you 80% of what they're promising, you'd be satisfied and, and say, you know, even of that 80%, if they give me these five things, if I can get these five problems fixed with this thing, Right. Even if I have other problems, it's going to be worth it because, you know, yeah, it's so good. It's always a trade-off. So, but, yeah. but having an out clause and being able to pull the plug on them keeps, it, it, it allows you to keep some power, you know, yeah. and it allows you to, to not have to pay for a service that is not working for you at all. Yeah, exactly. I love what you just said as far as setting the proper expectations in ourselves. Like when we go to hire a service company, we can't just have these out of the world expectations and put things even on them or even right. realize that like, okay, this guy's telling me, you know, 10, but really it's yeah. an eight. And I just need to have some discernment here. Right. To what, what's the impact of my business? Like, okay, so if they're able to do eight or even six, do right. the math, does right. it work? Okay, fine. So maybe it, maybe it's not what they told me it was going to be, but does right. it make me money? Is that the whole point? There's some, there's some logic that you just kind of gave to us yeah. in there. Yeah. Is it worth it? You know, maybe it's time right. that you need to consider. Maybe it's money that you need to consider. Right. You know, but if you get a portion of what they're promising, do you think it would still be worth it? And then you try and then guess what, man, most of them are going to be, you're going to change them and you're going to find another service provider. I mean, yep. you know, there, there are certain things that we deal with where I've gone through four or five different service providers because they all promise the world. And then, you know, but I, at this point, you know, this is the same thing with product reviews on our, on our website. I just say, okay, we'll try it and no full well going into it that I, I'm just probably going to have to cancel whatever it is we're doing <laughs> in the next year or so because it's it's just something's going to be a problem, you know? And, and so there's all different kinds of places that you, you deal with that yeah. from, from just even like trash pickup, you know? Right. They charge it. They give you a good deal on your dumpster and then two years later, the prices double, which is what we're going through now. And I've gone through one other time. So it's like yep. little things like that. You just, you just need to expect it, I guess, if, if you can. So, yeah, that's interesting. My fruit provider on our, in our fruit franchises, our edible yeah. ranches franchises, they always get you to sign the deal with super yep. low prices. And then they just tick, 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 tick over the course of time <clears throat> on, on that piece that you were just talking about, um, as far as like, I got to try out a bunch of them knowing that I'm probably going to fire them quickly and right. go on to the next. You can, there's a little bit of a callous that we develop or a little bit of almost like a cynicism of like, I don't believe that you can deliver what you're telling me. But right. yet in the same sentence, you said, I'm just going to keep trying them until I find one. So it's like, there was optimism in what you were saying. Like you got to keep trying. Cause you got to right. find somebody. 
but like yeah. I almost have like a pretty jaded perspective on like I don't actually think that you can do this until proven otherwise. Sure. How do you stay in that that positive mindset of going like I'm going to give you a chance. I doubt you're going to be able to do it, but I got to find somebody so I'm going to keep giving chances. How do you how do you stay in that place? Well, the truth is I don't most of the time. <laughs> most of the time you end up frustrated and annoyed and throwing stuff across your desk or you know what whatever yeah. it might be and it's only in hindsight that you get to go, okay, well yeah. I should have seen that coming, you know, and or, or I, I should have known that. And so, you know, to talk about it is great, but, you know, to, to be there in the moment when these things happen and yeah. sometimes you're just mad at yourself because it's like, well, I, I knew this, I, I should have known this was going to happen, you know, and I ignored yeah. my gut or I, I, or whatever. And so, but you, it's the difference between hope and expectation, right? Like you don't yeah. hope is not really an option, you know, expectations can be an option. You can choose your expectations, but you, if you, you have to have hope, otherwise you're just, you're not, you're not moving forward. There is no progress, you know, in, in yeah. any way. So, yeah. Yeah. I also liked how you, the, the angle that you just gave there is that of course you're going to have hope, but that doesn't mean yeah. that you just let them do whatever and you stick yeah. with somebody that's not working it out just because you have hope. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I yeah. have hope that we're going to find a solution, but you may not be it because you're not meeting expectations out the door. You go, you know, you gotta try not to let it blind you if you can, but Truthfully, yeah. you're, you're, it will at some point. And then you just, hopefully every time you learn and you adjust and, yeah, you know, let it, let it sharpen, sharpen the steel a little bit there, you know? Yeah. Understood. Mike, what about a bad decision? Something that you've done along the way that uh, didn't work out at all that we can learn from and hopefully not repeat the same mistake. Well, I would say my worst decisions are probably around hiring. <laughs> so, you know, not all the time I've, I've got great hires. I've got, yeah really good people and stuff, but not all the time. And so sure. I think that that hope and expectation part really comes in when you're hiring people because the beginning, just like anything, it can be a lot of hope and there's a lot of promises made and, you know, maybe some exaggerations and untruths that are told on the, on the part of the candidate to get the job. And so, yeah. you know, and then you get to work in every day and it's like, okay, well, this is where we're at six months later, one year later. And so, you know, it's very hard for you to have the candidate you hired a year later, you know, like that person is not actually the person that you end up with a year later. And sometimes that's good. And, and sometimes it's fine. And sometimes it's bad, you know? And so right, right. Um, that whole process is not, and now I haven't had to do lots of hiring and firing. So we've been fortunate in that. And maybe that's something I need to be better at. You know, sometimes I keep people because they know what they're doing. And, and right. so my expectations are a certain thing. And, and the thought of hiring, training, and finding is yep. not enticing to me at all, you know? So, yeah. 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 It keeps us sometimes locked in a place where we know we shouldn't be, but, but we stay there. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's holding a tiger by the tail, man. It's like, you don't really want to do it, but you, you don't let it go either. You know? So it's, it's just, it's always a challenge and I don't think it'll ever not be a challenge. And everybody that I know that manages people or, businesses or whatever, you know, unless they're able to delegate it completely to another manager, it's, yeah. it's always, a, it's always a, a thing, you know, it's yeah. always a, a source of consternation. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say to the person listening right now that's maybe dealing with this or has yet to deal with it? And they're wondering best practices. Is there, are there questions up front that you like to ask? Is there a, like an interview or a hiring process that you go through to kind of try to find the right people? I don't really have one because I don't have to do it all that often. I, sure. I wish I had a, a better process, to be honest with you. I've, I have some friends that are, you know, in sort of more institutional management positions. And so I, I right. pick their brains a little bit, but their offerings might be different. And so that's a factor and their sort of 
company structure or industry structure might be different. And so that's a factor. And so it's, you know, um, I, I wish I could tell you I had a better system because I, but I don't. So it's, yeah. it's something that we're working on. You know, it's, I'd love to have the option to choose from the best pool of candidates and have an infinite amount of people to choose from. But when you're a small business, it's like, well, this is what I can afford to pay somebody to do this job. Yeah. And, you know, that's the first requirement. You don't get to just choose, okay, this is the person I want for the job. It's like, well, and, and we don't have a lot of positions where our employees can really value add revenue wise, you know what I mean? Sure. Bottom line wise, what they could do is they could be valuable employees to us and, and work for what they're getting paid and stuff. But we don't have a lot of opportunities for them to, to add because sort of that falls under my, you know, my job at the company, as far as, you know, adding product brands, things like that. So now they can help, but it's hard to define. It's hard to quantify how much value you get from each one of these employees in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, like you said earlier, the institutional or the, the more corporate environments, mm -hmm. some of your friends like that have, they've got systems in place, right? That that's when yeah. they're hiring hundreds of people or thousands of people a month or even a year. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that systems and process and, and maybe certain questions that kind of help us align with the, the person, but right. to your point, it's not, it's not ever going to be a perfect formula. Even in the corporate environments that I've worked in years ago, it was never a perfect environment. And right. a lot of times it's the same thing that you mentioned yeah. there. They just put you through a process and it still pops out on the other end of like, Oh, bummer. I wish I would have known that ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. And so sure. I think it all goes back to the, the old adage of like, you know, hire slow, fire fast, which is tough in itself, but Right. We can slow down the hiring process, ask really good questions, really put them in situations that give us some insight on how they think and how they operate, how they would deal in a in a, an environment like ours. And then if they're not a good fit, which is so, tough, so yeah. tough. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, once you commit to somebody, especially, you know, it's hard to fire fast when you hire slow because you've yeah. gone through that process of like committing to the person. And then and then there are things that you, you're like, OK, yeah, this whatever made you think that that was the right person is all the reasons that you don't fire fast because you think like, yeah, right. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's real. I don't know. Like all things, it's easier said than done. And, and when you're a small business and you need somebody to be there to do that job, like right. somebody's got to be there. It's like, well, what do we do we, yeah. now? We don't have anybody doing this position in this position. Now we're not satisfying our customers' needs. And so it's like, well, is this person satisfying what we need them to do at 85% good enough to keep the wheels on? Yeah. Maybe yeah. you don't find them. Yeah. Well, there's like everything that you just said is a, is a right mindset, not necessarily of like a lowering of a standard, but right. his or her 100% might look like your 85%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, right. We are we are we aligned morally? Are we aligned in our mission? Are mm -hmm. we actually a, accomplishing serving the client in a in a in a in a wholesome way? Well, then yeah, like let them let them right. be there hundred percent. Although maybe if you were in their position, maybe you would do it differently. That's okay. Like right. that's just leadership and letting people have it's, some yeah. autonomy. Yeah, is the job getting done? And and I, and I'm not a micromanager, and and I know lots of different people are, but when I do hire. I want my people to come in and I'll define for them what their, what their role is, what their job is, which is truthfully, you know, in a small company, it's a little bit, everything, everybody overlaps and stuff, but I want to be able to let them go. And so that to me is sort of the biggest thing that I'm always watching for. It's like, do I need to stay on top of this person to do their job all the time? Cause that's the number one factor that's going to, you know, that I'm just not going to tolerate, you know, like you're not there, you're not getting paid so that I have to make a job of staying on top of you. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're hiring professionals. All right, Mike, we're going to go the speed round here. My first question is yeah. around KPIs. The way I like to say it is this. If you could only pick one thing to track, everything else falls to the side, what's that one thing? It would probably be revenue, assuming I get to know what my margins are. Sure. Okay. So, and you know, I'm, our margins are fairly fixed, you know, and so, so revenue is a key number for me because I can base everything else off of that. But yeah, as long as I get, I get my profit margin and I know what it is, then I would say revenue. Yeah. You can grow that number. And like you said, the delineation of, if I know that, then it's like, you know, kind of yeah, the rest like of the spreadsheet falls in. Number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how you manage a business from one number is, is, sure. is you, I still got to know all the rest of them, <laughs> Yeah, but they yeah, all, they all come down to one point is, is useless, right? So, yeah. you know, you could be high revenue, low margins and you know, there's a scale there, but, but yeah. once you know what your margins are, revenue is to me the, the most important thing. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, cause it, we can have a conversation. There's obviously been a people that have answered this question that say net profit. There's been people that yeah. have said culture and people like I get all different types of answers, which is great. Yeah. To your point, though, around the the revenue, and you're right, it's not necessarily about what you make, it's about what you keep. But once you know the business, so Mm -hmm. like, for example, at one point in time, I had seven locations of Edible Arrangements franchises. I just have a few left today. But I knew when I was purchasing location four, five, and six all in the same month that I could look at that one, I could look at their top line. And I didn't really care about how they were running the business because I knew how to run the business. Right. And I knew some staples, basically how I would run it. And what that number would pop out on the end. So all I really cared about was what was the top line because I could make the numbers work in the right. rest of the formula. Yeah, to you your, could fit your to map your in underneath it. So, yep, exactly, exactly. What book would you recommend, or maybe a resource, Mike, for a business owner trying to grow their business? I don't know. I mean, I've lo- I've learned a lot on the job, fortunately and and unfortunately, and I I certainly didn't take a path towards business. I mean, I I would say you know to continue reading. I, the problem is I find out so many business books just don't apply to small businesses. You know, you could find a hundred books right now about some guy who started a, has a startup or a tech startup or whatever. And he's telling you how you can work your week out. And it's like, <laughs> none of this applies, you know, sure, absolutely nothing applies. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, kind of like what you do with your podcast and stuff. Like, I, I don't know of resources like that, where it's not, a top down. And I just don't trust most of the people that tell you how to, who are business managers and tell you what to do to be successful in business. It's like, well, you're more successful at telling people how to be in business than you are in business as far as I can tell. So like, I don't know. I, I don't have a good source. I I, I like to think that I've got a, a decent meter and at telling when people are, are full of it and not, or sure. not. Um, so yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have one. I'd love, I'd love for somebody to give me some guidance, but, but awesome. I, I don't, I don't have one other than, you know, the books that matter, you know, I, I mean, anytime you get to read a book, that's a couple hundred years old, that's right. people still read and get something out of, I mean, you can always use something. There's always something in one of those books that you could find a way to apply to just about anything. Sure. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. And I think that generally speaking, entrepreneurs are uh, you know, whether it's cynical or like I, I'm doing, I'm over here doing my own thing. And so it's not mm-hmm. that maybe that we don't trust, but it's like, you know, I want to, I, I, I'm stubborn. I'm, I'm cynical. Like all these things kind of apply to entrepreneurs. And yeah. so I think your answer is real. You know, I think that whether it's reading, whether it's a podcast, whether it's yeah, an old book, I mean, Think and Grow Rich is, you know, over a hundred years old. And that's one of my favorites, you know, so just yeah. a lot of things that you can pull out from principles, not necessarily tactics, but principles, you know? Sure. And just keeping sharp, you know, and just, you know, books are a a great way to 
basically take somebody else's examples. You know, I mean, that's what it is. That's what a story's about, right? Is less yeah. like, all right, well, we don't want to do that, or we do want to do that. And so when you yeah. put that all together, you can always use it for business or life or whatever. I mean, that, that's all we're really doing here is we're dealing with people, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of lot of people skills and a lot of uh, yeah. ways that you can grow in that way. That's for sure. Sure. What do you think about intentionally networking or even masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I haven't done it. I mean, I've been sort of like we we just talked about. I've been sort of hesitant in the past because I just feel like so much of it is just there's something about it that doesn't appeal to my my sensibilities. I guess. Sure. To, to put it politely, but you know. I'm unfortunately, I'm deeply aware of my, of my limitations as a human being. So uh, I'm not opposed to it. I, I'm at the point where I'm past survival mode, you know? And so right. now it's like, okay, everything that I was sort of built to do by myself was for that part. And now it's like, well, those things aren't the same traits or features that I need to have to get to that next level. So I would say I'm yeah. much more open to it now than I, I would have been in the past when it was just put your nose down and go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in my own story, I relate to that. Um, I think that there's there, like you said, survival, we call it the, the warrior mode Yeah, and it's just about putting your head down and getting stuff done survival literally, or just, yeah. there's just a period of time where you kind of have to be selfish in order to grow a business. Then eventually it gets to a point where you have resources or that you're leveraging time or even key relationships, yeah. even like this right here. Yeah. And, um, and you start having more impact and you start when you kind of transition that mindset to not just survival, but now impact, it's like, okay, there's, there's actually a lot more people that I'm like, that are weighing yeah. in on this decision. And then the value of relationships just goes through the roof. And so I think that you're spot on. You're right. You're right in that, that mental transition where I mean, I, I can, I know exactly where I was when I was thinking those exact same things going, this wasn't in my mind, very valuable to me in the past, but I've quickly since realized in the, you know, in the last probably decade of like, wow, like, these are some of the things that really matter. And, and it doesn't have to be in a, like a paid coach or a, you know, you go to a, a big sure. conference where it costs a lot. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Sure. It can be you and a guy across the, across the town doing lunch every Thursday. Yeah. And that's far more interesting to me than back stuff. and forth. Yeah. yeah. It, it, as long as it's mutually, it's just going back to our business. Really. It has, everything has to be mutually beneficial or we're just, you, you're not, it's not going to last. Right. And, and yeah. so a lot of those other things that you mentioned, don't seem to, I mean, maybe people get benefit. I'm sure people get, there's a benefit to that, but it yeah. seems like one person is benefiting more than the rest of the people in those types of relationships. So, so that's not something I'm, I'm ever interested in, but communicating. I mean, I, I, I do always believe that communications, you know, how all of us get better, smarter, and, and, you know, just learn from other people's opinions and, and experiences really. Yeah, absolutely. I got a question for you about family. And I know that we talked off air a little bit about our, our yeah. kiddos and, and families and such, but you know, we've got a business and we've kind of got to have a certain level of obsession with that in order to be successful, as you just kind of described the survivalness of it. How do you apply that same kind of obsession to your family at the same time as having to do that inside your business? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know again, but you know, we, we, we muddle through it as best we can and that changes with time. And so you know, for me, one of, one of my big, this is actually coming back to that goal thing. One of my big goals was to have enough time to actually spend time with my kids. Cause when I bought the company from my dad, my wife got pregnant with our, with our son. And so, you know, my goal, part of owning this business is, yeah, you want to do well financially and stuff like that. But 
time can't be bought. And so I, you can have all the, all the money in the world. You still can't buy time. And so, you know, I, I started to wonder about what's worth more. Is it time or is it money? And so now you only get to do that when you're not in warrior mode, right? You, this is right. something that comes later, but I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm able to have a little bit more time. I've got staff, I have resources, like you said. And so, um, and I'm able to spend time with my family more so, but then you always wonder, is this coming at a price? And, and the business is the thing that allows that. And if you're not focusing on the business enough, then that goes away, but how much is too much. And so it's never ending. It's a spectrum and like, you'll probably never get it hundred percent. Right. But yep. if you keep sort of trying, I think you kind of hone in over time on what works for you or your family or your That's goals. Right. And, you know, so. Yeah. I think you gave a really honest and, and even genuine, just like you said, a spectrum there of going, well, when I do this, it takes away from this and vice, you know, yeah. back forth by vice versa. And, and you're right. It does. <clears throat> that's why we build teams or systems yeah. or key roles, sure. or that's why we have conversations, communication, like you talk about with your spouse and getting yeah. on the same page. And like, you got to be intentional about all of that. That's what obsession is though. Like if I'm not in, if I'm not obsessed with my wife and kids, then right. I'm not intentional with them, even around the communication. Like, Hey, for the next three weeks, I'm going to be X, Y, Z with the business. And or whatever, like there's just, it's just right. being on the same page, being in alignment, which comes from intentionality, which comes from obsession. Yeah. If we're not obsessed with it, then why you spend time on it? You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to be. And and you'll notice when, you know, because there's times where that obsession wavers, at least for me, it does. And it's like, yeah, all right, I got it. I got the point, you know, it's, yeah. we got to get back to it. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think, I think we, anybody listening right now has had that conversation, that knock on the door of like, excuse me, we're, we're here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. Which is, which is, uh, you know, you know, honestly, from my perspective, why I started asking the questions because I've been walking this out myself for for years, mm -hmm. and and I don't have it figured out either. But I know the importance of paying attention and being mm -hmm. intentional and and obsessing over here. And and I don't claim to have it perfect either. But I'm trying to curate environments, even like this right here, where we can go. Okay, let's just talk about the real thing because I almost have found zero entrepreneurs that say, you know what, Chaz, I have the perfect formula for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think yeah. we've all got this, this like general consensus of like, mm, yeah. if my wife was listening right now, I don't know if she would agree with my answer. Yeah. You, know, you know what exactly. I mean? But the question is, and my wife might, might not agree with this either, but have you gotten better? And it's like, have right. we got better at this? Has this gone, you know, like, even though we're going back and forth and, yeah. and we're seasonal, so it's a little bit difficult at times, but you know, right where we were five years ago and how much time we spent at business and apart and whatever, you know, yeah. getting to see your kids for an hour before you put them to bed is not enough, you know, because getting to spend an hour with your spouse before bed is good, certainly better than nothing, but some people get 15 minutes, half hour, and, and that's not enough. And so the question that I ask is like, all right, well, have we gotten better at those things and has it come at a, at a fair price business wise? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, it's, it's going to come at a price. There, there's an expense for everything. So there is, there is. And, and that's, that's being a good steward when you know that there's a trade-off and, and that's okay. Sometimes we, we make those yeah. trade-offs sure. to, to be purposeful and intentional in our decisions. Right. I got Absolutely. one last question here for you, Mike. You ready? Yep. I want to know if you had a chance to whisper in the younger Mike's ear, what would you say? Oh man, I would just say, just have a little faith things are going to work out better than you think they are most of the time. Tell me more. Well, yeah, I, 
I'm here accidentally in the end, you know, I mean, so it's, there are so many, every big thing in my life has been uh, not when I tried to push forward, not when I tried to force things. It's been sort of when I, I've, I've just let them happen and sort of followed what the signs that were sort of being given to me or the options that were available and took the best course forward. And so I would say, you know, trust yourself, trust your instincts and, 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 and just trust that those instincts are, are going to get you where you want to go. Yeah, eventually, eventually, not right away. Eventually. It's a really, really, really positive word for any entrepreneur listening right now. Sometimes it is quick. Yeah. Most of the times it's not. No. And some things are quicker than, than you expect them to be. I mean, I'm fairly, I didn't expect to be in the position that we're in today. You know, it's not over. So it's like, you're still, there's, there's plenty to be done, but you, you always come back. You have to have principles or, you know, yeah, you have to have those things there, that core there to, to lean on at all times. And so I, I would just kind of remind myself to just always just trust it. You're going to, you're not going to want to, sometimes it's going to seem like the wrong thing to do. You're going to see other people succeeding, not doing those things. And uh, that's, uh, that's a shortcut and the shortcut's not, not usually going to get you where you want to. So good, man. How can we find you, Mike? Of course, if, if anybody listening right now needs motorcycle parts or accessories, anything that they want, not need, That's uh, right. <laughs> where can right. they find that? And then also how can they connect with you as an entrepreneur? So it's westendmotorsports.com. If you need anything for your Harley Indian motorcycles, you know, any kind of V-twin, that's basically what we do. We do some side-by-side stuff as well. Uh, not repair parts. Like you said, that, that's not our game, but I'm not on social media. So, so you can't find me. Hopefully that's, that's the goal. You can always find my work email somewhere if you, if you're really after me and like you did, and, and we'll go from there. But I, I am committed to avoiding social media at this point in my life as much as possible. So that's awesome. Well, I think that, like you said, for, for those that are determined, uh, we will find how to contact you. Just yeah. like, just like we did. So I just so appreciate your time, Mike, you've been helpful and honest. I love the interview because you're honest. And I think that it will relate to a lot of entrepreneurs. So thank you for being here. Blessings on your family and uh, your team, all the stuff that you got going on here in 23. Thank you for being here, brother. Same to you. Thanks, Chess. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.